0: Welcome to the Healthcare Leadership Podcast, presented by ReferralMD, your go-to resource for increasing practice efficiency and revenue. Each episode, we share tips, tricks, trends, and real stories from physicians and healthcare leaders, so you can hear what really works to grow and manage your practice. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome
1: to the Healthcare Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Jennifer. Jennifer. And today, we're going to talk about Cybersecurity 101 and what you need to know for your medical practice. I think this is a pretty hot topic because every day on the news, it seems like, We're either talking about Russia and cyber attacks and specifically on many of our businesses or ransomware attacks or whatnot. So I'm excited today. We are joined by Mr. Chris Burns, who is one of the managing partners and serves as the chief experience officer at Dedicated IT, an industry-leading managed service provider that understands the unique needs and threats that come with the healthcare IT landscape. Now, Chris comes to us with an extensive background working in healthcare technology and has a specialized focus in EMR technology and these cybersecurity challenges that are top of mind for all of us. After over two decades in the industry, Chris has helped hundreds of medical practices just like yours navigate all the areas of healthcare IT. Chris, I want to say thank you for joining us today on the Healthcare Leadership Podcast. We're excited to have this conversation.
2: Excited to be here.
1: So a lot of practice managers and physicians have so much going on that IT and security has become somewhat of an afterthought. One thing we know that's paramount for protection may be cybersecurity insurance. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what it is, and what it might mean for healthcare practices out there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, Dedicated IT has a national client base, and we've been for for the last decade, filling out cybersecurity insurance applications by the hundreds, and so as you can imagine, you know, security has always been at the forefront of practice because healthcare is such a, a high risk and very targeted um, uh, industry. But I think insurance is just finally starting to catch up, and these applications that we're still commonly filling out for our clients have just become completely different. And so the last year, two years, as ransomware has become uh, just incredibly common, uh, ransomware has been usually paid out by an insurance claim, uh, usually the cybersecurity insurance, and the applications have now started to ask for extremely more complex and uh, much wider criteria. And so if you haven't had a renewal yet, it's very uh, you you can definitely guarantee that your your next renewal for cybersecurity insurance is gonna ask a whole new set of questions and even have contingencies on how you're approved.
1: What what's some of the risk if um if somebody doesn't have insurance? What can I mean, it's I'm thinking like a small, like one or two provider practice, I you mean, know, what happens if they don't have an insurance and they get hit with one of these ransomware
2: attacks? um they're stuck with the bill i mean when you look at what ransomware is today and what ransomware was 10 years ago or five years ago for that um it's evolved quite a bit today the the insurance industry engages the fbi on every single uh, ransomware attack it's become so common that insurance companies are you know asking for all kinds of new vendors to be involved like a security forensics Uh, vendor. There'll be legal counsel appointed for you. There'll be uh, just funding for you to put pieces back together, like your operations, paying your staff, making sure that you have systems that are usable or software that is, you know, restored from backups. You know, if if you have backups, hopefully you have backups. But that's that's essentially what insurance was really meant for. And if you don't have that insurance, you're stuck putting the pieces back together, uh, you know, footing the bill out of your own pocket. Wow. So
1: it sounds like, you know, is this a newer type of insurance or is it something that's been around for years? In fact, how has it evolved over the years?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think if you go back, you know, 10, 12 years ago, insurance was expanding their portfolio and adding cyber coverage as really just a, you know, as a small benefit to a business. And if you look at healthcare and just how much of a target it's, it's become, the rampant, you know, increase in trend of ransomware has just become so common that the insurance industry really just didn't catch up. So things like phishing became kind of normal. You know, anybody that's listening or has email has probably got, a, you know, a, a spam message or a phishing email of somebody who's acting like somebody else, but I mean, can anybody remember the the Nigerian prince uh, emails? Hey, I, I need a a million dollars, or I'm going to pay you a million dollars to help me fund, you know, to get my family out of Nigeria or wh- whatever the messaging was. And while some of that was cute, it really was the beginning stages of just what we've commonly now know as fishing. and and. Um, threat actors are really leveraging communication platforms and it's just become very normal. And so, um, you know, those things have become common like EDR, uh, MFA, multiple uh, ways of authenticating to systems like your bank. I'm sure five years ago it wasn't a requirement. Now it is. And we're starting to see that that has become just a deterrent in way in how you can protect uh, your practice and all the software that you use to log in. So, you fast forward over time and just the security landscape has just become so much more of a threat that, um, you know, insurance carriers, what used to be a low risk, uh, high margin, um, you know, policy that they would sell is now a, a an extreme loss. And so, you know, asking the right questions to qualify and, and write these policies have become just much more complicated. And uh, a lot of that is because Um, medicine, you know, shouldn't be any surprise to anybody that is very behind with security. And a lot of times that's because there hasn't been tough enough, uh, regulation or laws or consequences because insurance has been the scapegoat. It's been the fallback or the way that, you know, a business owner would mitigate whether or not they need to invest in security or will insurance pay the bill and insurance is starting to not pay the bill.
1: (laughs) Wow. It sounds like, I mean, if we're talking about cybersecurity one hundred and one, it sounds like the very first step before even opening the doors is making sure you have the right policies in place so that you're protected. Because you're always having to be on the defensive when, especially when there's malware or ransomware or you know who knows what's going to happen in you know the world markets in the next couple of months here. So it it sounds as if insurance is is finally, you know, really paying attention and, and making determinations of what they're going to pay for and what they're not going to pay for. What do you see changing in the near future in terms of cybersecurity and the insurance that goes along with it?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a few changes. I think if if you just summarize really, you know, the four or five big things, the first thing you can just guarantee is that the cost has just incre- increased incredibly. Um, it's, Last year alone, we saw um, our clients and even ours at Dedicated IT, our insurance just go up about 100%. Uh, even quarter by quarter, they're projecting for for 2022, 100 to 200% increases as they continue to tighten, harden down how they write these policies. So, you know, if, if you look at like before, it was such a soft market, it was easy for any carrier to write a policy with a very high capacity for a very low premium cost. And as a business, you really didn't think twice about this because it was such a low cost of entry. Why not? Right. Um, but, you know, they're hardening. And and the, the reason for that is because the cost of a remediation is so much more than it used to be. I think the other thing uh, that is very common is that Uh, coverage has changed. You used to be able to get a three, five, in some cases, $10 million policy, and that's just not possible anymore. Uh, So outside of just the cost increasing, you're looking at um, the coverage amount and how wide and how far and how deep that goes, Uh, even the criteria and the language of what they cover is being pulled back. Um, before it used to be really easy just to get a huge policy that pretty much anything under the sun would be um, approved. And now we're seeing all kinds of new criteria that's being asked or even just uh, you know supplemental applications required in order for approvals. Another thing that we see is remediation has become extremely complicated. Uh, remediation used to be you pay the threat actor a Bitcoin or maybe a multiple Bitcoin, if that was the case, and in a matter of a couple of days, you got your data back, unencrypted or a key, and you know you put the pieces back together in your business. Uh, it, before submit a claim, you get the money you need. Now FBI is involved in every single case. Uh, on most cases, on average, it takes somewhere along the lines of 212 days, 300 days to complete a full remediation, and for a fast-moving, high-expense practice, that's very costly to you to to not have the funding you need in order to pay people or to see patients or even to tell your referring offices, hey, this is what's going on. Um, And the thing is, is that it's not even just about remediation and unlocking data. It's now about um, a second or third type of attack because it's a business model to these threat attacks attackers you know they're looking at this as hey the insurance is so easy to be tapped they're paying you know insurance industries are paying multiple times on on one or two year uh clients where they have a ransomware attack and then there's no accountability because the insurance company never put any boundaries or requirements in place well wow. um, i i think the biggest thing though uh you know that the application complexity is probably the, the, the biggest change. Um, in order for you to even work, you know, walk through an application for approval, we're looking at 18, 20 pages to fill out. It used to be a three-page document. It asked basic information about um, how you do business. Do you have servers? Do you have an inventory of all your assets? Are you Are you patching them and making sure they're up to date? But there was no you know, deeper, more categorized, specific questions about how you're using that data, how you're um, issuing access to your employees or vendors or third parties. So the, the game has completely changed and they've, they've caught up quite a bit.
3: Hey, listener.
2: I wanted to take a few seconds to tell you
3: about our presenting sponsor, ReferralMD. As a cloud-based referral management solutions platform, ReferralMD helps you manage your referral process like you never thought possible. In fact, ReferralMD clients report an increase in referral conversion of 25% since switching to the platform. But that's not all. Clients also increase operational efficiencies by 37% and reduce patient leakage by up to 65%. If those benefits sound good to you, and how could they not? We invite you to visit getreferralmd.com/offer to schedule a no obligation tour of the ReferralMD software in action. Plus, as a thank you for being a listener of this podcast, you'll get 50%, that's 50% off your implementation fee. All you have to do to get that 50% savings is visit getreferralmd.com/offer and set up your free product tour. And now, back to the show.
1: Wow. So, if if a listener or maybe somebody on their team suspects they've downloaded malware or have some kind of security breach, what's the first thing they should be doing internally at their practice?
2: I mean, hopefully, a practice is working with uh, you know an IT professional, somebody that is competent and has made some recommendations. But look, uh, malware is a different game than what it used to be. It's you, you need more than just an antivirus or some basic policies or filters on your firewall. It's it is a um, it is a culture and a mindset as much as it is a technology. And so, you know, you really need to engage the right professionals and even look at what your insurance is asking you to do in the event of of an attack. Just like if you had a water damage or a water leak in your house, you know, you, you need to follow the policies uh, requirements. And again, your IT people should be up, up to snuff on that, you know, really investing in understanding um, what is required in order for you to make sure you have a claim in that you have the right coverage and you follow that policy. But um, depending on how big you are and how complicated it is, you know, your disaster recovery plan should be your playbook. How are you putting the pieces back together? And how can you shine on if, if you do get ransomware? You can navigate that restore. You know exactly what to expect because you've tested it a few times. But your IT should be able to answer those questions and give you direction and um, you know set the right expectations.
1: Yeah, it sounds like years ago, it was kind of just, you know, when something like this happened, the kind of thought was, well, IT is going to handle it you know, because it has to do with our networks and our computers, I get the feeling that you're going to say that that's not so much the case anymore and that now it's not just falling on IT to manage this
2: process. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that like the thing that we want to drive home is that, um, you know, what worked before is just not going to work anymore. You know, you have to get out of this mindset that um, we can wait till the last minute or security is not something that, we have the time or budget or energy in a lot of ways to invest in. This is a This is a mindset that has to shift. And I think that cyber insurance, I think, should never be accepted as the risk management plan. It's very often that we meet practices that are going through either a transition of IT or um, you know, we meet at a conference and they have this mindset that insurance will protect me. And, and the thing is, is that you have to assume that it's just a matter of time before insurance is no longer going to foot the bill or their requirements are going to be so stringent and it's going to be so expensive that you really need to understand the consequences um, without insurance. How do we stand on our own feet and, and maintain expectations with our staff, with their expectations, our colleagues in town, how we do business? Um, think about this without insurance? And how does that change your decision-making?
1: Wow. So we all know that healthcare is delivered differently today. So the same goes for technology. I mean, we see this in practices all the time, still operating on the old Windows platforms. So the same goes for technology, you know, old devices and platforms, they, they shouldn't be used, right? So how would you suggest a practice develop a technology roadmap to ensure the security and efficiency for their team?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I I think uh, there's probably a whole like segment, a whole hour we could spend on that, <laughs> just talking through what does a roadmap look like. Um, but I think if you're listening to this today, you know, think about your company and how it uses technology. Think about the next year and what what your roadmap would look like or your technology roadmap to get there. If you don't have one you really need to start asking the questions about, well, who owns these things in my office? Who owns the technology? When I say own, I mean like, who's my go-to? Is my IT person the go-to for telling me my assets, you know, my endpoints, my servers, all the things that are physical or virtual, are they supported by the manufacturer? Do they meet the HIPAA requirements? Do they meet our new insurance requirements? Do I have even an inventory to to look at? But you know, this is the first time in history, in my professional career over 20 years in managed services in healthcare, that I could tell you there's real consequences for running systems that are outdated. It's it is so common that that we see things just uh, you know 10 year old systems that are running Windows 7 still, and those systems mm-hmm. are are now potentially preventing you from moving forward and getting approval on your insurance or um, ha- could be the 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 vector for how you get um, a malware infection or ransomware. And and this is the first time that you really need to take this serious and understand that these small things, while uh, maybe working because they've been working for years and years, could literally shut down your practice and prevent you from having insurance. And so a technology roadmap, it, you know, it really extends beyond just do I have stuff that is being supported by manufacturer or is it running the right version of windows? It's really um, holistically everything in your office, your people, uh, your processes and how they use those systems, how you enable people to get in and access that data or, uh, how you provision access. Do you, do you know when people access that data? And I think a technology roadmap will help you understand where you can start building uh, visibility to those things so that you can start budgeting and prioritizing uh, what needs to be done, in what order, how do we communicate it, when is it going to expire, when is it going to renew, and, and get buy-in from your team.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the technology roadmap is the first step to creating, you know, to creating the future that we all want. That's going to protect us from a cybersecurity standpoint, and it seems to be the the, the element that's going to be necessary to be able to secure insurance and uh, have a premium that's you know halfway manageable. So, circling back to that cybersecurity insurance issue, or just cybersecurity in general, how can a practice self-assess where they are right now? and what actions they should be taking.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think that um, there's really two things that that I see a lot of practices either uh, reactively ask us for in the heat of a renewal, or we try to get in front of with a customer and say, here's the things you need to do. And it's really like a security assessment um, which is different than, I would say, like a technology assessment. A security assessment really is going to walk through a lot of the same type of criteria that a security risk assessment would have uh, when you do your HIPAA annual assessments. They're asking questions about how you conduct business, how people are using this, the systems. All this really ties into like a security maturity, um, How you know where you're at in your maturity, where you need to... Uh, lower risk. And there's all kinds of uh, ways that you can accomplish that. Dedicated IT has one that we do for our customers to help them understand what their gaps are. And then we present it and they can make decisions on where they want to go. But I think your insurance carrier also will be able to help you with some of this. Um, We, we have like a open-ended self-assessment that any, Anyone, anywhere can run on themselves. It's not like a sales thing. It's, it's really just an aggregated application that's broken down into uh, categories so that you can start making sense of, you know who do I need to find in the practice to help me um, answer some of these questions? Or is this something that we're even doing? And I think awareness is like the biggest call to action from any assessment, because if you don't know the right questions to ask, then it's really difficult to go and, and find somebody, a resource or some, one of your employees and delegate, you know, something that's actionable. And so um, a security, a security self-awareness really would be um, where I would point people uh, an assessment.
1: So once they have that assessment, how, how do you suggest that we prioritize what comes out of it?
2: Um, so I think, the number one thing I would recommend any practices to call up their insurance broker and find out when the renewal is. Um, if if they can at least look at uh, the renewal dates and work backwards from that, you can request an application, an early application, to know what is required. And so if, if we're talking about insurance specifically, you want your roadmap to really be prioritized by the things that are going to prevent you from being approved in your application. So get a hold of your last year's application, call your carrier, ask them for the new application criteria and the requirements, and then start taking all the assessment data that you've mapped to either a vendor, maybe it's some of your staff that can go in and get some of these things done, but start prioritizing it so that you don't reach your renewal date and realize that you haven't had time to do the things you need to do to be approved. And and the thing is, is that um, you you need to call your carrier or your broker and and talk to them like you would talk to them at dinner. You know, ask some questions like, are you prepared? You know, with a team of professionals to stand beside me and, and and ensure that I'm made whole, or are you going to just you know send vendors to me? You know, find out what they're capable of doing for you, and find out if you know if there's wiggle room. Hey, look. We can't afford as a practice to make this big investment today, but in the next 90 days, maybe we're going to do some things to bring us to the finish line so that we can get a green light. Can you give us a contingent approval at the rate that we were on last year for the same amount of coverage if we do those things? And a lot of times these, these carriers and brokers, they'll they'll negotiate for you and you'll, you'll see fruit out of it. But Every carrier is different, albeit they're all working together to try to standardize how they how the underwriters approve uh, some of these policies. You know, these are people and, and there is flexibility here. So um, I, I encourage you to really look at your insurance um, as as part of that prioritization of the technology roadmap.
1: Yeah, that's great advice and some great inside baseball knowledge from working with all these practices over the years, Chris. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to mention? And if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how might they do that?
2: Yeah, um, I think we can make a we can make one of the surveys available a, a public link. Again, this is not like a sales thing. We we really are trying to just create awareness around this. It's a security score. Tool that just gives you, you know, gives you next steps. It's something that you can fill out. It takes about ten minutes, and it sends you a score based off of your answers. You can take that back to your staff and start asking questions. It gives you the awareness you need to to start making a plan. Um, but outside of that, I think uh, this has been great. I hope that anybody listening can think about insurance a little bit differently, and uh, you can reach us at dedicatedit.com and. Um, we're just a healthcare IT company available to talk or consult with you however we can help.
1: Awesome. I really appreciate it, Chris. Um, thanks for joining us on the show.
2: Absolutely. My pleasure.
1: And um, with that, I'm Jennifer, and I will see you next time on the Healthcare Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Healthcare Leadership Podcast, presented by Referral MD. If there's anything you missed from today's episode, don't worry, we take the notes for you at getreferralmd.com podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, please consider pressing the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss a future episode. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review to help us reach even more of our peers in the healthcare space. This podcast is presented by ReferralMD, the nation's leading centralized referral management platform for healthcare providers. Find out how ReferralMD can help you manage your referral process, decrease patient leakage, and improve communication between providers and patients at GetReferralMD.com.